I am so excited for this episode of Locked on Vikings. We are going to talk deep about protection calls, past protection. We're going to go into Garrett Bradbury's mind. We're going to see things hopefully close to the way that he sees them and talk a little bit about some of the decisions that he made on Sunday against the Seahawks that I think helped propel the Vikings to victory in a subtle but remarkably effective way. Super excited to bring this one to you as well as some other tape insights here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and free on all platforms, including YouTube. So come check us out on YouTube where we'll have some visual aids. And yeah, I'm breaking out the visual aids for this one. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. Today's Wednesday, and Wednesday is, I think, my favorite day of the week because we get to go real deep into things. This is where I can tell you about what I saw in the All-22, and I can really try to get to the crux of why the game of that week went the way it did before we transition. Um, and today we are going to transition also into talking about up the upcoming game a little bit against Cleveland. Um, so before I get into the, all of the protection stuff, and that's going to be the main thing, this is going to be a bit of a theme this week is blitz pickups, because this is also a challenge that Cleveland will present, um, is, you know, how to handle a tenacious pa- pass rush, how to prepare yourself to pick up blitzes, to read blitzes, to find them, to react to them, um, and to generally just like not die when they send five people, right? That's going to be a huge theme of the week, and so I want to talk about the basics of that. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk about some other takes that I got, some other insights from the All-22 that I wanted to share, um, and just some rapid-fire takes that are kind of miscellaneous, and then we'll hone in on the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is going to be about the protections. Um, But first, let me just kind of say some other stuff that I noticed on the All-22. The first thing I really want to talk about is Alexander Madison and the game that he had in relief of Dalvin Cook. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about, well, do they really need Dalvin Cook? Because boy, Madison had a good game. Can he just be the running back? Should they not be paying Dalvin Cook? And uh, he was good, but he wasn't Dalvin Cook. There is absolutely a difference, I think, between Madison and Cook. And I thought it was kind of cool. I, I do. He clearly picked up some tricks from Dalvin Cook. And sometimes he ran stylistically like Dalvin Cook. You can tell Dalvin Cook has been teaching him stuff. Um, he kind of did a lot of that same slalom ski stuff. He would take a linebacker out of his gap. You know, a lot of times a linebacker will get caught looking at the running back instead of being disciplined in his gap. And you can take advantage of that by essentially faking like you're running one way and then kind of really smoothly curling your way back into the gap you're actually running into, but you've taken the linebacker out of it now. Um, and you had a couple plays like that from Madison, um, and you can definitely see the influence of Cook, but he is not as smooth as Dalvin Cook. And if he is going to be a runner that tries to do this kind of smooth squeeze through a gap, kind of deftly navigate his way through the second level kind of running back, he's got to be a lot smoother. Not necessarily, I mean, he's like doing more jump cuts and more, you know, classic running back elusiveness things, whereas Dalvin flows like water. And that you just you're not going to replace that. He runs hard. He bounces off his tackles. That is his game. He hurdles. That's who he is. Not going to complain about him learning a couple tricks from Dalvin Cook, but he is not Dalvin Cook. He is still Alexander Madison. I think to some degree he should stay true to being Alexander Madison, being that kind of rusher. Um, 
defensively, I, I watched the cornerbacks a little bit more, especially in the second half to see if they just played better. Um, and I do think Patrick Peterson just played better. Um, he had, I, I, there were like two or three plays where I thought he made a mistake. Otherwise, he was very often asked to just man up with DK Metcalf. And he lost the one, you probably all remember, he lost one on the first drive that turned into a big play for, for DK Metcalf. Um, but otherwise, I mean, there were a lot of plays that DK Metcalf was running a real route on him and was really trying to get separation and, and, and Patrick Peterson was sticky. Um, and there were some plays that I think are like actually sort of teach tape for cornerback play that, uh, you know, you could like show that to a young guy. Patrick Peterson has good technique. He, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I guess he picked that up after like, what, 11 years in the league or whatever, um, especially for a guy that, you know, doesn't have the speed anymore and he can kind of play a technique that that makes up for that. Um, and I thought he did a decent job. Breland, on the other hand, I think he's being hidden a little more. And and that adjustment that they made that I was kind of talking a lot about, you, you heard at halftime and, and Zimmer kind of said, well, we have to make an adjustment. And then they made an adjustment and it seemed to work really well. That adjustment, I, I, I'm pretty sure was Harrison Smith playing over the top of Bashad Breland and giving him a little bit of help, you know, bracketing the guy over there. They did a lot of bracketing of Tyler Lockett on that side of the field. Um, they did a lot less of, you know, asking Bashad Breland to just like cover a guy one-on-one, -on -one, a lot more passing things to the inside or deep or whatever. They hit him a little bit. And that's kind of what I said, you know, hey, if the guy, if the corner's playing really poorly, you can turn it around by hiding him by basically asking him to cover that guy in fewer scenarios. Um, if he doesn't have to cover any in-breaking routes because the linebacker picks that up, then he can play a technique that commits further to the outside, right? That says, well, I'm just going to play a technique that will never, ever lose to the outside and will be super weak to the inside because if he goes inside, it's somebody else's job anyway, so that part doesn't matter. Same logic's going to actually come up later, so you know, remember that. Um, but he's getting a lot of help, and, and, and that's what happened. I think Bashad Breland with help, they probably still think is better than Cameron Dantzler otherwise, so um, they'll probably keep doing that, and hopefully they can come out of the game with, with that. If that's a coverage that works, if it's a permutation that works as disappointing as it is about Bashad Breland, um, you can... You know, you if, if it works, it works, right? And you can go that way. Unfortunately, though, it does mean, you know, you're going to get less roaming Harrison Smith getting in the box and causing problems. Um, but hey, if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. I should probably mention just Kirk Cousins, Blazers. We knew this. Um, I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Kirk Cousins later on the mental pre-snap side of things. But I mean, he made some awesome throws. He really th not open receivers caught balls. And that's a testament to the quarterback. And a lot of times it just had to be velocity. You saw the arm strength in this one. Um, and, and Kirk does have good arm strength. His arm might be a little underrated because he's, you know, a quarterback with not a great reputation. Um, but boy, he, he can fire him in there when he has to. And he did that all over the tape uh, against Seattle. And then the last one that I'll go over before we get into the real good stuff is on the defensive line. I thought they were fantastic. I know there's a lot of stats that are saying they're like bad against the run or whatever. I think a lot of that's Armin Watts. I think a lot of that's, you know, Nick Vigil missing tackles. Um, a, a lot of that is, uh, I think Bashad Breland missed one too. There is um, some playmaking in Nick Vigil. But he gets washed out a lot. He, I don't think he's been particularly good against the run at all. I think they miss Anthony Barr in that right quite a bit. But also it's, you know, Sheldon Richardson getting stuck on the field for like entire drives because they did a no huddle. Um, and Everson Griffin being, you know, the point man and at defensive tackle. He's not a, a nose tackle, right? He's Everson Griffin. And he had to play like some three technique defensive tackle. Um, so that's obviously a mismatch. So I, I thought the defensive line, when they were able to do what they were brought in to do, they were fantastic. And when they were caught out of position, obviously that was a problem. And I kind of talked about that on uh, the mailbag episode yesterday. That's just the cost of having a super specialized defensive line. 
fine. Sheldon Richardson, good in pass rush. Everson Griffin, good in pass rush. Those guys, not necessarily who you want, you know, holding up the middle of the field in a run play. So I want to talk about pass protection. I want to talk really in depth about pass protection. So put on your nerd glasses, get your chalkboard out. We're going to get in real deep football stuff here. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about Grambling. Vikings on Bet Online still two and a half point underdogs as of this recording, at least. So if you want to get in on that action, if you think they can do better, if you think even if they do lose, they'll lose by less than a field goal, bet on the Vikings at Bet Online. You can find all sorts of odds and props and scores and all sorts of stuff at Bet Online. It's your one stop shop for all things pro and college football betting, as well as basketball, baseball, hockey, Olympics, if that's going on, horse racing, you know, whatever you want. Even your favorite Vegas casino games. Just log on, play a little blackjack. Who's going to stay? Stop ya. Head on over to betonline.ag. If you don't have an account, no worries. You can sign up for free. And when you make your first deposit, you can enter promo code NFL100. That's NFL100. And you can get some free play money as well. They will match your first deposit. So put in 500 bucks. They will add 500 bucks on top of that. You got a thousand to gramble with. That's just for going to betonline.ag, setting up a new account, and entering promo code NFL100. If you drive a lot, you kind of want to save on gas. Sometimes those gas bills can really add up, especially as gas prices are going up and up and up and up and up forever. GetUpside is an app you can get for free on Google Play or the iTunes App Store, and you can save 25 cents per gallon at the pump. That adds up. If you drive a lot, that's like two, 300 bucks a month that that can get to just for getting the GetUpside app. And you can cash out on that money whenever and however you like. PayPal, Amazon gift cards, just send it right to your bank account. Even more options. If you go to GetUpside, go Google Play or the iTunes App Store, you can enter promo code TOUCHDOWN and you can get 25 cents more off at the pump. That's 50 cents total per gallon at the pump that you are getting shaved off the top. That's promo code touchdown when you sign up and you can start saving get upside is a free app on itunes or google play promo code touchdown for up to 50 cents off at the pump so let's talk about our beefy boys let's talk about o-line i know you all love a good guard conversation um so some general uh insights before we get into the deep stuff Oli Uda was fantastic ezra cleveland was up and down i thought i thought they did a good job of hiding rashad hill i will explain how they did that in a, in a little bit and i thought garrett bradbury had a pretty good game brian o'neill is brian o'neill uh, so here's the take you can take to work tomorrow. The Vikings were very sp- smart about figuring out who blocks who they made very good decisions about countering blitzes and, uh, it helped out struggling players like Rashad Hill. And those decisions are mostly on Garrett Bradbury. This is Garrett Bradbury's brain. Mostly Kirk cousins has veto power over this, but he has kind of assured everybody that he rarely uses it. So for now we can kind of default and say this is Garrett Bradbury's job and he did a good job of it. There's your take. Go take that to work. Um, if you want to know more about the guts of why, stick around. So this is going to be one of those times where on YouTube, I am using a visual aid. I think it will be very helpful if you can, if you're not in your car or whatever, I strongly recommend you go flip over to YouTube and watch this part on there. So most protections, um, and I say most, there's obviously exceptions to everything. Most protections will have a wall side and a man-to-man side. So the wall side is what it sounds like. Guys will all bunch together and create a wall and you can't get through the wall. And then everybody else will kind of be responsible for their guy. And if you watch a protection, you can kind of see one of the sides everybody's come together and one of the sides people are sort of um, chilling apart. So it's the center's job to decide not only who is part of the wall, but also where that wall goes and who they are responsible for blocking. And the way he does that 
is first by just identifying what the defense is. You're just, it's first they have to call out what the defense is, and it's like purely descriptive. So for this, it helps to divide the play in half over the ball. Imagine a left side and a right side of the play over the ball. And depending on the center's film study, depending on how scared he is of a certain guy, depending on how the defense is lined up or not, he will choose the left side to be the wall or the right side to be the wall. And the clinic that I watched that kind of gave me this information called it, said it would be a lucky call, L for lucky, L for left, or a Ringo call, R for right. Uh, So lucky or Ringo. um, And that will tell you if the wall is on the left side of the play or the right side of the play. For a lucky call, every defensive lineman on the left side of the ball is now the responsibility of the wall side of the protection. So if there's three defensive linemen, let's say, on that side of the ball, um, then the wall will be responsible for blocking all three of those guys. Now, you can add guys to that call by calling out their number. So let's say you want the linebacker, who might blitz, to also be the responsibility of the wall. You would call out his number. Let's say that guy is Bobby Wagner, number 54. You would then say lucky 54. So now you have the three defensive linemen you had before, plus Bobby Wagner. Now there's four defenders that are the responsibility of the wall, which means you got to make a wall that's four players wide. And usually the way you count that off is if it's lucky, you start at the left tackle. If it's Ringo, you start at the right tackle. Again, LR, you get it, right? Um, And then you count over from there. So if if it's a lucky call and you need four players, the left tackle, the left guard, the center, and the right guard will comprise the wall. Are you with me so far? Everybody who is not part of the wall is in man-to-man coverage. So in that situation where everybody from the from Rashad Hill through Ole Udo is part of the wall, that leaves Brian O'Neill on an island with whoever is left over. And, you know, that actually happens a lot because Brian O'Neill is good enough to leave on an island. That's why you paid him is because you trust him in that situation. Now, from there, there is like a million adjustments. You can adjust what happens if somebody on the man-to-man side blitzes and somebody from the wall side, you know, backs off into coverage um, and the man-to-man side guy comes, but the linemen are all on the wrong side or something. You can make a call to either decide maybe... The tackle blocks the blitzer instead of his defensive end, or the tackle blocks the defensive end, lets the blitzer come in. Maybe the running back takes it if there's a running back in the in the protection. Another thing that's important to kind of recognize when we're talking about calling these protections is how many down linemen there are. Some teams like to have four down linemen. Some teams like to have three down linemen. Some teams, like the Vikings, like to mix that up. So if there's only three down linemen, uh, then you get different rules for the way that they line up because usually they're going to throw a different type of challenge at you and every team handles all this stuff differently the nice thing about all of this is when you're on the wall side of the protection when you get to be part of the wall it's really helpful to the way that you can align yourself spatially An offensive lineman on every play has to choose what kind of pass set they want to use, whether it's a quick jump set, which gets set up really quickly, but isn't necessarily as versatile or strong. Um, You know, if you're a tackle, you get to choose if you're going to go deeper or if you're going to go wider. If you're a guard, you get to kind of choose if you're going to go inside or outside. Um, There's all sorts of little choices you get to make as an offensive lineman that are just up to you. They're not really part of the play call. And being part of the wall makes those choices a lot easier. If you're all walled up against everybody, let's say you're Rashad Hill, 
And this is a great way to hide Rashad Hill if you're worried about Rashad Hill not being very good. And if Rashad Hill gets to be part of a wall, and let's say he's part of a four-man wall and there's four defenders that the wall is responsible for, so it's a big four-on-four, four, right? Well, put yourself in the shoes of the defense for a second. If they're going to wall up and they're going to you know, make themselves all compact in a wall, they're going to shoulder to shoulder and be really tight, you're just going to try to go around it, right? Uh, you're not going to try to go through all those guys. You can go around. They're not taking up much horizontal space. You can send a bunch of people around, and that's usually what teams are going to try to do. So usually what the wall ends up looking like is the two outermost guys on the wall kind of peel away anyways, and then you have a protection that sort of just looks like man-to-man but actually isn't in terms of the actual rules. But what's nice about that is let's kind of take that to its conclusion. Let's say you are Rashad Hill. Let's say you're going up against Miles Garrett. He's coming to town. Um, and Miles Garrett wants to go around the wall. If you are in a normal protection and you don't have the benefit of this wall, and let's say you're Rashad Hill, you go too far to the outside, well, Miles Garrett can just cut to the inside and get a pressure that way, right? And that's not very helpful. If you are part of the wall, and that happens, and you go too far outside and get Miles Garrett cuts inside, well, he just like bumps into the left guard, and he probably bumps into the guy that the left guard is blocking too. It's just too much traffic and everybody gets tumbled around in there. So being part of the wall, Rashad Hill, and this happened a ton against Seattle, can take a deeper set or a further outside pass set. He can make more aggressive decisions that give up the inside part of his protection because if he gets beat inside, it doesn't matter. Guy's just going to bump into his own three technique or whatever. Um, and so being part of that wall really helps. So if you're Garrett Bradbury and you know that that helps, and there's probably a coaching point that goes, hey, you know, we really don't like this matchup of Rashad Hill against Chandler Jones. We got to help him. If it's all the same, put the wall, you know, make more lucky calls than Ringo calls this time so that Rashad Hill can be part of the wall more often. You can kind of make that coaching point and you can help to uh, hide and, and kind of paper over the problems of having the left tackle you didn't really intend to be the starter here. This was supposed to be Christian Derrissaw. Uh, and you can help him out that way. So all of that is the basic framework of this. Now we have to start incorporating what if the defense doesn't do what it looks like they're going to do. And that's where it all gets a whole lot harder. But before we get too much more complicated, let's have a little snack. Let's have a Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It's covered in 100% chocolate and it tastes like a candy bar. It's not going to knock you off the wagon. It's got 17 grams of protein, like four grams of sugar, four grams of carbs, but it tastes like chocolate peanut butter, chocolate mint, chocolate raspberry, whatever your favorite is. They probably got something for you. They have nine main series flavors. They also have some other ones that pop up on the website every once in a while. So go check built.com every now and then see if you can't get a cool limited time offer. My recommendation is the sampler box. You get nine, uh, each of their nine flavors, you get two each. So you can kind of try, see what you like. Whatever you buy there, enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you can get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. BuiltBar.com works as well. So now that we understand the basics of protections, we can start to explore what happens when the defense starts throwing challenges at you, like blitzes and games and weird stuff, right? So if you have five blockers, your five offensive linemen, and let's say you don't have a tight end or a running back in the equation for now, just to keep things a little bit more simple, you can kind of go five on five here, right? You can just have uh, the left tackle block the leftmost guy and the center blocks the middle guy, right tackle blocks the rightmost guy, et cetera, you know, just block the guy in front of you. Easy enough, right? That's a man-to-man protection, and you say, okay, there's too many guys for us to do any weird, fun stuff with the wall. Everybody just kind of has to win their blocks. But what happens if they send a sixth 
and you still don't have a guy with you. What happens if everybody comes? That's when it starts to get difficult. And maybe the hardest part about all of this is sometimes you don't know who is coming. They could put six players on the line of scrimmage, we know Zimmer loves to do that, and then back somebody off that you weren't even expecting. They might blitz both linebackers but back a defensive end off into coverage if they think that that guy is athletic enough to do that. Um, They might, you know, threaten two linebackers and back them both off. You don't really know who is coming. And it helps to know who's coming, but it helps more This is not unlike, you know, coverages and man match and stuff. It helps to have rules. Know who is unaccounted for. Know who everybody is supposed to have. Know what your rules are. A lot of times uh, you'll have a rule, say, the, the center will have a rule that says, if anybody crosses my face, I am responsible for him. So if a whole bunch of people threaten blitz, one of them backs off. And in that space, say, a defensive tackle goes from the right shoulder of the center to the left shoulder of the center. So he crosses the center's face. Well, the center, who may have been part of a wall to the right, now is just responsible for that defensive tackle. He just pulls out of the whole plan and he just blocks that guy. And that can kind of help you account for uh, stunts where guys will switch spots on you. It can help you account for other blitzes, or it can help you account for just cheeky pass rushes from that guy who's maybe just trying to get a gap across and get through pressure that way. What's nice about that is you don't necessarily need to know who specifically is coming. Let's give you another puzzle here. Let's say you have a three-man wall to the right side. So you have the center, the right guard, and the right tackle are part of a wall. And let's say that they are threatening four blitzers on that side. And that's the wall side of the protection. On the man side of the protection, you've got a two-on-two. And let's say you don't have a tight end or a running back again to help out. Otherwise, this would be too easy. And let's say based on your tape study, you know that they never send all four of the blitzers that they are threatening on the right side here. So you can be comfortable with your three blockers, knowing that they're going to send three blitzers and somebody's going to back off into coverage. You just don't know which three. You can just wall up and you can kind of play it almost like a a zone coverage. The center will take the guy who is Further, furthest on the inside, the right guard takes whoever else comes in the middle, and the right tackle will take the guy who comes furthest to the outside, and doesn't matter who backs off into coverage, who twists, who does whatever, you just kind of take the guy that comes at you. And that can, again, really help you pick up those blitzes. Where I think things get really cool is when you do have to deal with all four of those guys, but you only have three blockers. What happens if you have five blockers and they send six? And let's say you don't have a running back that can just peel over and, you know, take that fourth guy, which happened a bunch of times to the Vikings and the running backs actually weren't that great in pass protection. In that scenario where you have too many blocker, too many pass rushers for how many blockers there are, somebody is getting through. What's nice as the offense is you kind of get to choose who, right? You can make a call called like a, there's a most dangerous man call or an MDM call. And that's not saying who's their best player. It's saying who has the fastest route to the quarterback. If you think uh, that the defensive tackle is the fastest route to the quarterback, you got to make sure he's blocked. But if he's like really slow, maybe he's a, you know, big old nose tackle and you're not worried about him chasing you down that quickly. uh, And, you know, maybe you think Kirk Cousins can outrun him. Maybe you will leave him unblocked and you'll just go block all the fast guys. Or what's more common is you'll block everybody on the inside and whoever the outermost guy is with the longest path to the quarterback is the one who gets left unblocked. Whoever that that guy is, whoever ends up unblocked, 
The quarterback doesn't necessarily need to know who it's going to be. It probably helps, but not necessarily. And if you can cut things out of the communication, it makes communication easier, right? Just take that kind of layer, take that variable out of it. The quarterback just takes whoever comes. He will be responsible for that player. And what's cool about that is sometimes you can make him responsible for that player whether he blitzes or backs off into coverage. Then he just becomes a read. This happened on a uh, really cool play from the Seattle game. It was a shallow cross to Tyler Conklin in, I believe, the last offensive drive the Vikings had in the game, and they were trying to ice the game. And uh, it was Tyler Conklin beat Jamal Adams over the middle of the field for a pretty big game. That was probably the way that it goes down in all the stat books and stuff. But really, the read on that play was Cody Barton. And without getting bogged down too much in like the details of the play, basically the Vikings looked like they were outnumbered. The Seahawks were threatening five uh, pass rushers with also two linebackers that could have blitzed. So it's a difficult protection call. This Bradbury, the center, has to kind of figure out who's coming and who isn't. Um, and more importantly, you kind of have to figure out, okay, if so-and-so comes, what do I do? If he backs off into coverage, what do I do? So you had a protect the protection call itself was pretty straightforward. It was a straight man-to-man protection call. And the question was, what happens if you have uh one of the other linebackers blitz? So Ben Ellefson was in on that play. And he was running a route that went out to the flat. So he was going to go way over to the outside. And so what that meant was Cody Barton, who was lined up over Ben Ellefson, was either going to run out with him and take a coverage assignment, or he was going to blitz. Either way, he is Kirk Cousins' responsibility. He is now the read because we don't know what he's going to do. So we're going to read what he does and adapt the play accordingly. And that's one of the cool things that Kirk Cousins did in this game. He was really, really good at these situations. If Cody Barton were to blitz, Ben Ellison would be entirely uncovered. And it actually would have been a pretty big game the way things were going to space out. If he covered with uh, Ben Ellison, well, you would have had a five-man pass rush, which means a six-man coverage. And assuming everybody wins their blocks, which they had been all day, you would have had time in the pocket and a six-man coverage. That's a death sentence. If you have a six-man coverage and the quarterback has time, the defense is screwed. And the Vikings had a lot of those situations where the quarterback had time in the pocket, Kirk Cousins had time, and less than seven guys in coverage, and he was able to just slice and dice from there. So protection calls are very, very subjective. And I think that's why they're so compelling and fun to me, because I can go nitpick Bradbury's decisions with the benefit of hindsight. And even with the benefit of hindsight, there are times when you can kind of go, maybe he should have called this. Maybe he should have called that. Maybe he should have said, you know, lucky 54 that time. Maybe he should have said Ringo eight that time. Or maybe he should have said Ringo, but not account for the linebackers at all and have more guys in man to man in that one and have a smaller wall because there can be advantages to that, too. There's all sorts of really subjective gut call elements to it that I think make it a really cool thing to study. And I think that makes it all the more impressive what Garrett Bradbury was able to do mentally pre-snap in this game. None of this has anything to do with his blocks, his technique and his ability to anchor any of that stuff. It's a conversation for another day, but I thought he did a pretty good job of it in this one. This is all just the mental aspect of the game that is a collaborative effort Head, spearheaded by Garrett Bradbury, but aided by Clint Kubiak, Rick Dennison, Phil Rauscher, Kirk Cousins himself. All of those people obviously have their hand in it, but you credit the center, I think, mostly because it's mostly his decision. He's the one actually bearing the responsibility here. And he did a really, really good job. 
I did a lot more uh, breaking down of specifics in the zone coverage article. You can actually see real plays there instead of just diagrams if you're on YouTube or just trying to imagine it if you're not on YouTube. Um, so go check that out. But to review, most protection calls have a man-to-man side where you are just solely responsible for the guy in front of you. You can't get beat inside. You can't get beat outside. You just got to cover the guy. And a wall side where you're all kind of shoulder to shoulder, you're tightened up and you can help each other with each other's blocks. You can cover each other's weak spots um, and it's generally easier. The center decides who is part of which on a given play. And he does so by describing the defense and he's saying the wall should be on the left this time or the right this time. And who should the wall be responsible for? And that tells you how many guys should be on the wall and who those guys should be. If there is a blitz, you can make adjustments to that particular system. You can have the quarterback be responsible for somebody. You can have a running back or tight end come in and become part of the protection. But if that option is not available to you, you might have to start asking the quarterback to make some pretty quick reads to make the play sing and to counter a potential blitz or you know risky thing that the defense is doing. And in the game against the Seahawks, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, Garrett Bradbury did a fantastic job of punishing the gambles that the Seattle Seahawks defense took, much to the frustration of Pete Carroll. And one last note, I am still very new to this stuff. I learned a lot of the stuff that I just described literally yesterday. So if there's any coaches out there, offensive line people who have corrections for me, I'm all ears. I'm still very much learning all of this stuff, and I would love to correct myself and get myself to a better understanding, but it was a really cool understanding and I'm really excited to have shared it with you. Um, Tomorrow, we're going to go back to some normal stuff. The Cleveland Browns are coming to town. Their blitzes are scary. They've got Jadeveon Clowney and Malik McDowell and Miles Garrett, of course, and then they can send, you know, really uh, exciting safeties on top of that. So excited to uh, start talking about the Cleveland Browns. We're going to have Locked On Browns on as well. Um, and we'll, we'll do crossover Thursday, bold prediction Friday, like we usually do. So I hope you all stick around for that. Make Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, head on over to Locked On Bets. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling, a handicapping expert, will help you get your grambles straight. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.